It was about twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars more. It was one of those things where I was doing some research in the system for a project, and I saw what they were actually making, and I had this wow moment of this is not good. I could have asked for a lot more. You're listening to Financial Grown Up with me, certified financial planner Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown Up. And you know what? Being a grown up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. That was Paychecks and Balances podcast co host Rich Jones getting very honest about how he could have and probably should have asked for more money in a job salary negotiation. But that was then. Now, Rich, who, by the way, has a day job at Google that we're going to talk about, has spent years as a corporate recruiter and knows all about what happens behind the scenes when people get job offers. But first, I just want to welcome everyone. If you are new here at the Financial Grown-Up Podcast, we share money-related stories from highly successful people, stories that had a big impact on their life, like in this case, finding out you could have made about $25,000 more per year. Our grownups share the lessons, and then for fun, we get an everyday money tip that you guys can use in your own lives, in many cases, right away. And for my friends that listen to my other podcast, Money with Friends, that I co-host with Joe Saul Sihai, Rich was a thought leader co-host in our first season of Money with Friends this summer, so I'm so glad I was able to get him on this podcast as well. Here is Rich Jones. Rich Jones, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. I am so happy you're here. You are, well, you have multi-hyphenates, I should say. You are, first of all, one of the co-hosts, along with Marcus Garrett, of the Paychecks and Balances podcast, where you also manage the strategic direction. By the way, the podcast focuses on finance and career advice. You also have an award-winning blog by the same name, which also, by the way, is now a Plutus Award winner as well. Yes, that was super exciting. So, so many people know us for the podcast and we've been doing a lot of work on the blog over the past year. So, I was excited to see that. Bring home the hardware for best millennial or Generation Z blog. So, that was super exciting. There's more though. You're also an entrepreneur. (laughs) You help other podcasters and businesses launch and grow their shows. That business is called The Show Starter. Yes. So I'm a podcaster first and foremost. It happens to be that I talk about personal finance and careers and even a little bit of personal development, but I tend to be a geek about technology, all of the behind the scenes operations and process type things. And I want to share that knowledge with people because I know so many people who want to start podcasts, but there are some questions that if they ask those things up front, it would save them a lot of struggle or they would at least know what they're getting themselves into. And I've worked with enterprise as well. So helping a a company actually relaunch their podcast. So it's kind of B2C and B2B. I don't think I've told you this, Rich, but I first became aware of your podcast and you and Marcus at Podcast Movement because I went to the new orientation for new new attendees and you were there um, basically telling everyone what's up. And so you're actually extremely well-known in the podcast community and very well-respected. So I'm so excited you're finally here. I did not know that. That is an interesting fact, (laughs) and I'm feeling very good, and I'm smiling ear to ear right now. Well, I'm smiling because your career, thats that all that stuff is happening, by the way, as a side hustle, believe it or not, because you have a day job, 
at a very desirable company. A lot of people want to work at this place. Tell us about your day job and more importantly, the money story of how you got there. Yeah. So by day I work at Google. I've been there for over five years and I moved to a tech startup called Scroll Motion and it was the shortest role of my career. I'd only been there for about nine months. I actually got an email from a recruiter at Google and I thought it was spam. Even though my ultimate goal was to move to a big tech company, I kind of had this self-doubt of, oh, wow, they're reaching out to me. Is this really a real role? Why are they reaching out to me in New York when this position is based in California? I went through the interview process and it probably took about three to four months, but then ultimately I ended up getting the job. I made the transition from New York City to California. And part of what I realized throughout the process that I think is really important, one, is the importance of negotiation. And I learned this more for the role that I had at the tech startup because I won't say how, but I came across how much the person in that role before me made. And it was a lot more than I had actually asked for. And part of what I did not consider is that I worked at a nonprofit. Nonprofits typically pay a little bit less. And when I saw an increase, I was so focused on one, getting out of that nonprofit because I realized that role wasn't for me, that I had this fear of not wanting to mess up the opportunity. So I said, hey, this is a pay increase. This is great. Only to get there and find out that I actually could have asked for a lot more. And what I've learned from tech companies like Google and Facebook, they really do try to do right by people. And they and instead of kind of negotiating people downward, they want to make sure that they bring people in at a fair market rate because they ultimately don't want to lose these people because the cost of hiring and losing someone is so high. So part of what I learned in the process is the importance of negotiation. Tell me more about the actual moment you got the job offer. Did they say the number first or did you? They said the number first, and it far exceeded the number that I had in mind. Was this a phone conversation? What, where, how was this happening? So it was a phone conversation. I was ready to, to go back and forth, and you know, I had my numbers in mind, didn't realize that I was undercutting myself in the process. And they made an offer that honestly had me floored. It was a no-brainer. Wait, but did you ask for more? I did not, because it far exceeded what I was even looking for. And I felt completely comfortable about the offer. So the lesson here is having a number in mind. And I made sure that I did research when I looked at this role to make sure that I wasn't going to get undercut. And so when they came back with a a number that was far greater than what I had in mind, I could have went back and forth with them. And, you know, there are situations where I would say, hey, ask for more. But it was so much greater than what I thought it was going to be. Everything else about it made sense that it made sense for me to ultimately accept the role. How did you find out the data about the other, the previous employee that they were making more and about how much more was it like a percentage wise? Give me some sort of sort of scale. Oh, it was about twenty to $25,000 more. It was one of those things where I was doing some research in the system for a project and I saw what they were actually making. And I was, and I had this wow moment of this is, this is not good. I could have asked for a lot more. Part of what I've learned in my current role especially because I work in staffing or worked in staffing for a number of years, even if I probably had asked for more for the role with Google, I probably wouldn't have gotten it because I think one of the other mistakes I made is that at the time they would ask you what you were making today. And companies sometimes anchor in that once you tell them what you're making, they just try to do a, a percentage increase. So one thing I probably would have done differently is not actually shared that salary information and just said, had come you, back. You had shared it before they, they gave you the offer. I, I did. I did. Okay. I did. And more states now are implementing policies or laws where companies cannot ask for salary information specifically for that reason. 
So I actually encourage people, if you're talking to a company and they ask what you're making today, that you not tell them that actual number and see what they come back with. If they come back with a number that's lower or even if it's a number that's right where you want to be, try the approach of, hey, I'm super excited about this offer. If we can get to X number, I'll be willing to sign this offer today. And that recruiter is incentivized to go back and see what they can do to ultimately get you that number that they want. Did you take action after getting this information? Did you go ask for a raise? No, (laughs) I did not ask for a raise because for me, my ultimate goal was to move to a company like a Google or Facebook. And it happened sooner than I expected. And that's why I say it caught me off guard. I'm like, wow, they're reaching out to me. And because to me, it was I'll get a couple of years of experience. I'll go and apply. Not this company will find me on LinkedIn because my profile is optimized and then contact me. I'd say over the course of three years, my total compensation increased by 200 to 250%. Whoa. And now, wait, wait, let me ask you, was that prompted by you becoming a better negotiator because you now had this information or they're just a generous company and that's kind of what they gave you? I think it was more so prompted by things like updating my LinkedIn profile so that they could find me in the first place because there's applying for jobs, but then there's also recruiters who are out there every day looking for talent, scouring LinkedIn. I was that recruiter. So part of the inside knowledge I had was how a recruiter would go about looking for somebody who has a particular set of skills. So a big part for me was updating my LinkedIn profile so that if a recruiter was looking for someone who had a combination of HR experience and recruiting experience, and they had this professional and human resources certification, my profile would pop up. So while it wasn't as heavy on the negotiation side, there were things that I did to optimize my profile and optimize myself so that if people were looking for someone with my skills, I would pop up in that search. And I attributed a lot more to that. So I think part of what's helped me maximize my raises and my increases, not so much that I had to negotiate a higher pay, it's that I documented my value and I documented the things that I did to bring more people in, the things that I did to higher level of impact. And then that was ultimately factored into my bonus percentage, which is on a scale. And that was ultimately factored into the salary increase, which is also on scale, which is, which it's funny going from being an individual contributor to a manager and then having to go through that same process where if an employee didn't tell me all the things they did, I had so many things going on. So I could not remember everything that they did. But there would be times where they'd say, hey, I did this and I did that. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, you did do this and you did do that. So you should be in exceeds expectation versus a meets expectation. So a lot of it is on the individual to make sure that they're documenting and that they're in a position to be able to show the value that they've added. And so I had it for that conversation. But also, if an opportunity came up outside of the company, I had those things documented, which would then become answers for interview questions or things that I could put in my LinkedIn profile to further show my value and that I'm a high performer. What is the lesson from this story for our listeners? There's a an article that came out from Glassdoor a couple of years ago. For someone starting at a salary of $50,000, the difference in not negotiating a $5,000 increase when they're first starting could be the difference of $600,000 over the course of their working career. And so what people don't think about, we talk about compound interest when it comes to your savings account or when it comes to stocks and investing, but we don't talk about the compound effect of negotiating a higher salary because if you start by negotiating up, then every salary that you negotiate going forward or every increase that you get going forward is going to be a lot higher. There are people 
they're actually scared to negotiate because they think that the company's going to pull the offer. And I can tell you from being on the employer's side, no recruiter or no company is going to rescind the offer because you asked for something. In fact, we expect you to ask for something. Let's do your everyday money tip. It has to do with um, pairing up apps. So a couple of apps that I really love today. One is Tiller. It allows you to connect your bank accounts. And I'm someone that loves spreadsheets. And they have these templates and these customizable spreadsheets where if you connect your accounts, it'll automatically pull in the information. You can see what you're spending on by category, if you're over or under or at budget. And there's also a feature where I get an email daily that anytime there's been a transaction, whether money coming in or money going out, I see that first thing in the morning. And there have been times where I've said, wow, did I really just spend that much on food? Or wow, I forgot that I had that subscription. And so that's one service that I use to kind of see where my spending is going. But the other service that I really like, it's called Truebill. And initially, this started out as an app that would monitor all your subscriptions and tell you where you could have a, a subscription canceled, where they could negotiate on your behalf to bring that subscription cost down. And just even today, before we recorded this interview, I realized that I was getting double billed for a particular subscription. And now I'm in the process of having them resolve it for me so I don't have to deal with the process of calling in and talking to multiple people and going back and forth and sending emails. So pairing up apps, one, I have something that tells me where my money is going on a day-to-day basis, which keeps me sharp. And then two, I have a service that's monitoring my subscriptions, but it's also giving me a breakdown of how I'm spending for the month. And I can see that category by category. And it kind of tells me if I'm doing too much, if I'm going over budget. And I found both of those to be super helpful with each other. And they work in tandem. All right, where could everybody find out more about you and all your different ventures? You're everywhere. I know. I know there's a lot going on. So as far as Paychecks and Balances, uh, paychecksandbalances.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Paybalances and on Facebook at Paychecks and Balances. If you want to follow me, interact with me on the social medias, I am on Twitter and Instagram at I am Rich Jones. Those are the places that I'm checking out on a regular basis. Still trying to get more into Instagram and figure out my cadence there. But at I am Rich Jones, if you look that up, you should be able to find me everywhere. Here we go. Financial grown-up tip number one, manage up. Remember, Rich said to prepare for performance reviews. That's just part of it. This is all about communication with your supervisors. Those are the people who decide how much you get paid. Don't assume they know, and in some cases, even understand what you do and how valuable you have become to the company. Financial grown-up tip number two. I love what Rich said about the very first salary being an anchor to ongoing salary negotiations. He is 100% correct. But at the same time, don't assume you are worth more than they are willing to pay. With a first job, you don't always bring as much to the table as you will in future jobs. Yes, you probably went to school and studied, but let's face it, in most cases, the companies are also going to put a lot of resources into training you. So just factor in what you will learn as an employee when you are in that negotiation and be thoughtful about your asks. Everyone, I want to hear from you guys. What is your best tip for salary negotiation? Please share with me on the socials at BobbyRebel1 on Instagram and at Bobby Rebel on Twitter. And if you like this podcast, I really need you to help me out and help us all together grow the show. Take a quick screenshot, share it on the socials so your friends can join us as well. And please tag me so that I can thank you. It's really important. 
And speaking of thank yous, a big one to Paychecks and Balances, Rich Jones, for helping us all be financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.